The Airman, written and narrated by me, Eric M. Hunter. Mr. Dixon stirred from his afternoon nap by a small chime that echoed throughout his home, the doorbell. He waited a few moments, satisfied the nuance had left, then burrowed his shoulders back into his warm chair and closed his eyes. But the chime came again. Mr. Dixon's eyes shot open and he looked about his study. Shelves lined the walls that Mr. Dixon meticulously filled with memories he created throughout his life. Books, paintings, news briefings, awards. Maybe Marge would get the door and tell whoever it was to go away. But the scratchy, shrill tone from his wife's dry tongue crushed his hope. Hank! The door, Hank! He rubbed the remaining sleep from his eyes and stood up. For a moment, his vision became blurry, and he held tight to the armrest to steady himself. He took slow, short breaths in through his nose and out through his mouth. His head pounded. Soon after his vision cleared, he left the study and walked out into the entryway. Just then, Marge came into view. He studied her face for a clue who their unwelcome guest was. She shrugged. Mr. Dixon took the last steps up to the landing and placed his hand on the doorknob. His balance shook underneath him, and he closed his eyes again. Once he was steady enough, he opened his eyes and peered through the curtains. It was a sunny day, a rarity, and the ground seemed to crack under its own weight. Sanderson's car sat on the other side of the road, the driveway up to the garage empty. He huffed and shook his head. He knew that Sanders would be a pain the second he moved into the neighborhood. It happened straight away, him parking his car on the side of the road when a perfectly good driveway sat empty. Mr. Dixon caught him outside one day and questioned him. Marge, ever loving, reminded him to put on his royal air-issued breather before leaving. With a sour face, Mr. Dixon reluctantly grabbed the busted breather and hoped that it would last just long enough to give Sanders a good what for. But you have a driveway. He pointed to the patch of concrete right behind them. Why do you have to park it on the road? Sanders lifted his public-issued breather and spat on the ground beside him. What do you care, old man? You ain't needing this side of the road. Plus, it's in front of my house. It's mine. It's not yours. It's everyone's. What if somebody has a party and needs extra space? Sanders lifted his public-issued breather and spat again, this time closer to Mr. Dixon's shoe. He was sure Sanders had forgotten to lift his breather before spitting once before. He was sure of it. Well, I guess they'll have to park somewhere else then, huh? He smiled, teeth black. No amount of glass between the two would stop the stink of his breath, Mr. Dixon thought. The view to Sanderson's empty driveway was blocked by a square pink face with big brown eyes and a toothy grin. Mr. Dixon didn't recognize the face and looked back over his shoulder to Marge. She confirmed his suspicions. A salesman had come knocking. Uh, hi, Mr. Dixon. Uh, Gary Flannery from Airman. He pointed to the embroidered patch on his blue canvas button-up. His faint voice traveled through two panes of glass from the door to his Airman-issued breather. He smiled another toothy grin. Mr. Dixon shook his head and shouted back. 
We don't need none. Already got roll air. <laughs> Thank you anyway. Bye-bye. Mr. Dixon waved and turned to walk away. Gary Flannery knocked again. Mr. Dixon, if I could just have a moment of your time, we have some amazing promotions for new customers that I can offer you. Uh, we just got your neighbors, the Sandersons across the street, already set up for next week's install. I can offer you one hell of a discount, one that I couldn't do for him. Mr. Dixon breathed a shallow breath. The sound of Sanderson's name made that pit in his stomach boil. He looked back at Marge, who carelessly threw her hands into the air and journeyed back into the kitchen. Mr. Dixon turned to see Gary Flannery smile again. Cautiously, he unlocked the door and cracked it open a bit. What sort of discount? The thought of flaunting a deal over Sanders would be a minor victory that he could hold on to for a while. Look, I, I know what you're thinking. Yes, we're hitting every home up and down the block, but I'll tell you this. You seem like a straightforward guy, so I'm not going to pull your leg. I already got my quota in for the month. Truly, I do. I can go home now to the wife and kids and let the missus cook me my favorite meal. But I thought to myself... This is a home that might actually be in need of my services. Mr. Dixon considered the thought, and the airman saw his hesitation. All I'm asking for is five minutes of your time. Mr. Dixon was many things. A sucker, he was not. He could smell a con from a mile away, told Marge that all the time. No sir, no fool. But an expert negotiator, now that was something. What's the meal? Gary Flannery looked back oddly at the question, his smile no longer toothy but skewed up in confusion. What meal, sir? The meal. You went home to your wife and kids and all that? What's the meal? What would she cook for you? Gary Flannery widened his smile and bit his lip. He looked up at the sky and half laughed. Mr. Dixon closed the door. Wait, wait, wait! But the door stopped just short. It's spaghetti. Spaghetti and meatballs. Uh, Swedish meatballs, if she can find them. <laughs> Don't know where she gets them, but boy, they are delicious. Gary Flannery tried to laugh off his slow reaction. Please, Mr. Dixon. Five minutes. That's all I ask. Mr. Dixon felt powerful in that moment. A winner. And he had him right where he wanted him. Mr. Dixon opened the door just far enough to allow the airman to slip through and closed it behind him. Gary Flannery took off his hat and fiddled with it, then, almost as an afterthought, pulled his breather over his head. The airman's face went flush in that moment. He squeezed his eyes shut, holding back tears. He raised his fist to his temple and waited for the pounding to stop. And when it did, he stared blankly back at Mr. Dixon, who waited patiently. Now his vision was clear, Gary Flannery looked about the Dixon house. Papers scattered all about the floor, dust collected on untouched books, and the air had a brass taste to it. He noticed the Royal Air issued breather hanging on a nail beside the front door. It had seen better days. Marge crept out of the kitchen, holding a metal tray of mugs filled with something that was pouring over with each step she took. Aha! You must be Mrs. Dixon. He strolled down the landing and right beside Marge, extending his hand. She looked at Mr. Dixon and then back to the airman and nodded politely. Oh, I'm sorry. Here, let me take that. Gary Flannery sat his briefcase down and went for the lemonade tray, but Marge pivoted away. 
Here, let's have a seat in the study. Marge? Mr. Dixon gestured towards another room, and Marge receded back into the kitchen. He nodded to Gary Flannery and followed behind him. The airman walked into a small and dingy room, not much bigger than a walk-in closet. The painted walls were dull from age, and Gary Flannery thought better than to sit in the broken-down recliner. There was no telling what or for how long those stains had been there. He opted the stand, clutching his briefcase tightly at his waist. Mr. Dixon sat in his napping chair and gestured to the airman to sit opposite him. Gary Flannerly looked at the chair again and carefully sat on the end, avoiding anything that may attach itself to his backside. With his briefcase teetering on his knees, he flicked a few dials and popped open the top. Gary Flannerly took out a small wooden stand and placed it on a small coffee table in front of them, followed by four transparent tubes with corked tops. Carefully, he lowered them down one by one into the stand, affixing them into place. Now, he could start. Before we get into the mundane logistics, I just wanted to share with you some of our newest samples. This year, we had a surplus of scents come through. Some, dare I say, are the best we've ever had. See, we designed a new bit of technology that Mr. Dixon waved the airman quiet and motioned for the first vial. Gary Flannery's smile grew tight and he reached for the first tube, passing it to Mr. Dixon's waiting hand. He placed his briefcase closed on the floor next to him and waited. Just then, Mrs. Dixon walked into the room. Can I get either of you two a drink? I just made a fresh pitcher of lemonade. Gary Flannery gave her a dazed look. Mr. Dixon waved his free hand at her, not looking. No thank you, dear. Mrs. Dixon nodded and left the room. Mr. Dixon stared at the vial spun it a few times in his hand, popped the cork with his thumb, and took a deep breath in. Instantly, he was sitting on a beach just north of the equator. He could feel the sun beat down on his face and a distant cry of children playing in the sand. Sunscreen filled his nostrils, followed by the sound of gulls calling in the distance. He could almost taste the salt from the ocean breeze. Nikoi Island in summer, right before old Daddy Warbuck's big idea. Mr. Dixon sucked wind slowly through perched lips. The vision faded. Okay, try the next one. Gary Flannery pulled the second tube and swapped it with the empty one. Mr. Dixon pulled the cork and took a deep breath. Again, his mind was whisked away, this time to stale carpets, the smell of cigarettes, the sounds of jackpots of a casino. Oh. Old Vegas. The signs, the shows, the ladies. Mr. Dixon squeezed his eyes tight and tried to build the entirety of Vegas that was into his mind's eye. He suddenly felt sick to his stomach and frowned as the vision quickly slipped away. He didn't like that one, I could tell. He took back the empty tube as Mr. Dixon sunk deeper into his napping chair to relax. He grabbed the third tube and handed it to him sitting back confidently with crossed legs. This one felt cool to the touch. Mr. Dixon became intrigued. He uncorked it and placed the opening to his nose. He took a deep breath in and closed his eyes. Opening his mind's eye again, Mr. Dixon found himself on a snowy mountaintop. The Arctic wind hit his face like a ton of bricks and he instantly lost his breath. He could see the surrounding mountains far off in the distance. The clouds hung low, and the air felt still. 
A wave of calmness flowed over him. A small tear formed in the corner of his eye. It's been a long time since he's felt this close to... anything. He came out of it. Gary Flannery sat hunched over, elbows on knees, chin in the palm of his hands, grinning his toothy grin right at Mr. Dixon. That was the one, wasn't it? Mr. Dixon took a moment and found himself back in his study with the airman. For a moment, he saw with a clarity he hadn't felt since he was young. He sat in a house he and his wife purchased over 60 years ago, a house filled with all of his memories of times past and times lost, covered with all of the things he loved and hated, nestled in a neighborhood that once was nothing but a field. He married a woman his younger self fell in love with, but now, he realized, was a complete stranger to. Mr. Dixon hated himself. He hated that he never took those risks his dad always told him to take. He felt the urge to go out onto the road, to taste food he couldn't pronounce, to see sights he'd only seen in pictures. Mr. Dixon felt his life had been stolen from him, and he wanted it back. But his body was broken from a long career of manual labor, and he had told his younger self that he would do all those things when he retired. But then Marge got sick, and their bank account took a hit that they could never recover from. So here is where he would spend the rest of his days, tired, resentful, and longing for more. Stacks of unread books in the corner, the powerful smell of brass in the air. Oh, what a life he wished he could get back. I like that one the best. The airman nodded. You seem to have gotten lost there. That's my favorite part, seeing people experience something they never thought they could with airmen. Feeling actual dreams, if only for a second. That's why I love what I do. Gary Flannery sat back in his chair, threaded his fingers together, and smiled confidently. He had closed his sail. Mr. Dixon spent a long time staring at that empty vial. He inhaled deeply, feeling exhausted. Now that was only a taste, of course. You could go for the full package, have that mountain air pumping through this house all day, or you can have enough supply to celebrate with and get your basic O2 like you normally do. Now, like I said at the door, my guys will already be in the area, so the install fee will be dramatically lower than normal. Airman is zero maintenance, clean air that's worth every penny. We have 24-hour customer service. I can give you my personal ID number, so if anything crazy comes up, I can come a-calling. He reached down to his briefcase again, pulled out a large screen. He thumbed it a few times, then turned it over to show Mr. Dixon his brand new Airman contract. Well... Just need your thumb pit right here, and I'll get the install crew here first thing in the morning. What do you say? It was a long time before Mr. Dixon replied, and when he did, his mind was clear, focused. His words dripped with venom. Do you know how I know you're full of shit? The airman stared back blankly. I'm sorry? Was all he could come up with. He repeated his question, but this time he put emphasis on the last few words. Gary Flannery sat back and dropped the screen into his lap and shrugged his shoulders. No, Mr. Dixon, why don't you tell me? Mr. Dixon cleared his throat. Not remembering your favorite meal your wife makes would be a cardinal sin in my house. You aren't married. 
don't even have a wedding ring on. Either that, or you're an awful husband. Your socks are black, but your shoes are brown, and your belt doesn't match either, which probably means you got dressed in the dark. And only a man down on his luck wouldn't waste credits turning on a light to dress. And you showed up at my doorstep at 6 p.m., which means you've been working the beat for probably 12, maybe 13 hours now. You haven't hit your quota. I bet you're still trying to get your first sale. And assuming that I would want to get something over on Sanders is a softball. You found out what everyone on the block already knows. He's an asshole. And anyone would want to get the best of him. So no, Mr. Airman. I will not be giving you my thumbprint today. Mr. Dixon chuckled to himself, triumphant in his win. For a long while, Gary Flannery's face didn't change. He stared intently back at Mr. Dixon. Finally, he opened his briefcase and put away each tube and the wooden holder carefully back, closing the lid. He exhaled loudly in Mr. Dixon's direction and frowned. A strange tick showed at the corners of his mouth. Let me ask you a question, Mr. Dixon. Do you know how full of shit you are? Mr. Dixon tilted his head in amusement. <laughs> Please, go on. Gary Flannery cleared his throat mockingly. Before I even came to your neighborhood, I could see your exhaust blowing out from your roof. It's dark tan. That's the first time that it's going to go any time now, and you'll need to replace it. And by the smell in here, I'll bet your cleanser went down too, what, six, maybe seven weeks ago? You've been breathing your own CO2. Sure, it might be a little bit now, but as time goes on, it'll get worse. And you're already starting to show signs of it. The shaking hands, poor Mrs. Dixon's forgetful memory, the dying plants in the corner. But you don't have royal air anymore, do you? They haven't returned your call, or they'd have this all fixed up by now. I bet you decided to put your name on the list for public, but with the size of this town, you're on the bottom of a very, very long list. And you're praying for someone, anyone, to call you back. And yeah, I did come knocking on your door at 6 p.m. But it's not because I haven't made a sale today. It's because I've made a shit ton of sales today. Because I'm a damn good salesman. And when I saw this little house, I thought to myself, Gary, this is going to be a fucking steal. Why not try one more? Gary Flannery sat back in his chair, threaded his fingers again. His face was flush, and his foot tapped in a quick rhythm that echoed throughout the study. Mr. Dixon's eyes started to the corner where a clay pot sat holding the brown plant. Mrs. Dixon walked into the study just then. Can I get either two of you a drink? I just made a fresh pitcher of lemonade. Neither of them looked at her this time. No, thank you, dear. This gentleman was just on his way out. Mrs. Dixon smiled at the two of them and left. Gary Flannery smirked leaned over to pick up his briefcase, then stood up straight. Mr. Dixon stood as well and gestured to the door. They turned and walked out of the study. Together they made their way to the front door. Mr. Dixon stepped out, grabbed the knob, twisting it open. The airman strode through, but swung back on his heel. One last thing, Mr. Dixon. Whenever you do get around to getting your return call from Royal Air Tech, you'll be told that you're being routed to airmen to set up a new contract. Because in a few weeks... We will own Royal Air. We will be the only supplier in your area. And our rates are going to skyrocket because that's how capitalism works. Mr. Dixon searched his eyes. 
he felt that Gary Flannery was telling the truth. He set his briefcase to the ground by his feet. Mr. Dixon, I didn't make the world we live in, but I do prosper from it. But your generation refuses to bend with current times. And because of that, you are going to die, Mr. Dixon. <laughs> Very soon, I'm afraid. But I will continue on living for many years after. And that will be that. Or, Gary Flannery turned his screen over to him. You can put your thumbprint right here and get a little extra time to do whatever it is you should be doing when you smelled that mountain air. Mr. Dixon looked down at the airman contract, his eyes gazing over the fine print. It was a standard contract, undisclosed time frames, price inflations, no guarantees. Just like the one he signed so many years ago with Royal Air, and before them, it was United Air, and before them, American Air and Gas. He heard a shuffle of feet behind him. Who's at the door, Hank? Mrs. Dixon appeared out from the kitchen. Mr. Dixon exhaled deeply, raised his hand, and pressed his thumb to the airman's screen. 